0: section three of atlantic narratives modern short stories second series published 1918 by the atlantic monthly press this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org blue reefers by elizabeth ash recording by natalie paula the child will have to have a new dress if she's to take part in the christmas entertainment my mother spoke very low, so as not to wake me. But I heard her. I had been too excited to fall asleep. Of course," said my father, in his big voice that never could get down to a whisper. "Shh," Wore my mother, and then added, but we shouldn't get it, George. You know what the last doctor's bill amounted to. Oh, let the little thing have it. It's her first chance to show off. Shh," My mother warned again. After a moment I heard her say, Well, perhaps it won't cost so very much, and, as you say, it's the first time. I turned over in bed and prayed, Dear Lord, please help my mother to get me a new dress. For a new dress was one of the chief joys of taking part, and I longed so to take part. Although I had been a member of our Sunday school in good and regular standing, ever since I was three weeks old, and had been put on the cradle roll, that being in the eyes of my parents the nearest approach to dedication allowable to Baptists, i was taking part for the first time and i was seven there had been numerous occasions in these seven years for taking part our sunday school celebrated easter children's day anniversary day thanksgiving and christmas with quite appropriate exercises but it was a large school and i had freckles and what aunt emma my cousin luella's mother called that child's jaw Aunt Emma meant my front teeth, which were really most dreadfully prominent. In fact, they stuck out to such an extent that Aunt Emma seldom failed to see them when she saw me. Aunt Emma wasn't used to children with jaws. Her little Luella had the prettiest teeth imaginable. She was pretty all over. Pretty golden hair, pretty blue eyes, pretty pink cheeks. Not a freckle, and pretty arms, very plump and white. She was just my age, and she was invariably asked to take part. It seemed reasonable that she should— I felt that if they only knew that I had a mind, a mind is what an uncle once said I had, after hearing me recite the 103rd Psalm, the 52nd chapter of Isaiah, and the 13th chapter of First Corinthians, with only one mistake, they would ask me too. A mind should count for something, I thought, but it doesn't seem to with Miss Miriam. Miss Miriam was the assistant superintendent. She was a tall, thin, youngish-looking woman, with fair hair and a sweet, rather white face she always wore very black dresses and a little gold cross which one of the big girls told us was left to her by her mother who was an episcopalian miss Miriam got up all the entertainments and it was she who made out the list of people who were to take part in them three or four sundays before an entertainment was to be given miss Miriam would come the big room in our primary department with a lot of little white slips in her hand and a pad and pencil While we were having the closing exercises she would walk very quietly from class to class distributing the little slips. The slips said, Please meet me after Sunday school in the ladies' parlor. If you were given a slip it meant you were chosen to take part. Once I confided my longing to my mother, What makes you want to so much, Martha? You're not a forward little girl, I hope. Forwardness, in my elder's opinion, was the eighth deadly sin. To be abhorred by all little girls— especially those who had heard it said they had a mind little girls who had heard that might so easily from sheer pride of intellect become forward i'm not forward i assured her i-i oh mother it's so nice to be in things and now at last i was in things i could still feel the touch of the white slip which had been put into my hand only that afternoon and i turned over in my bed on my other side and prayed with even more fervour oh lord please help my mother to get me a new dress he did a week later my mother went to town she brought back a white persian lawn the softest sheerest stuff i had ever felt i could see the pink of my skin through it when i laid it over my hand i'm going to have a new dress for the entertainment i told luella on my way to rehearsal are you why of course i always do mine's going to have five rows of lace insertions in the skirt and tiny tucks too mine's to have tucks but it won't have but one row of lace in the skirt mother says little girls dresses don't need much lace i like lots of lace said luella but her tone of finality did not disturb my happiness i was disturbed only when at another rehearsal luella told me that her mother was making a blue silk slip to wear under her white dress almost every one wore slips when they spoke pieces i gave my mother this information isn't the white dress pretty enough martha i fingered the soft material she was sewing it's beautiful i said hiding my face in her neck then i whispered i don't mind if luella has a slip mother I did mine, but I knew I oughtn't. My mother raised my head and adjusted the bow in one of my skimpy little pigtails. She looked as she did sometimes after my Aunt Emma had just gone. "'We'll see if you can have a slip. What color would you like, supposing you can?' "'Pink,' I answered promptly. "'Like my best hair ribbons. Pink china silk was bought.' When I tried it under the Persian lawn, it matched the ribbons exactly. I jiggled up and down on my toes, my only way of expressing great joy. The dress, when my mother was not working on it, lay in the spare room on the bed. I made countless pilgrimages to the spare room. Once I slipped the dress on by myself. I wanted to see how I looked, but the mirror of the spare room bureau was very small, so I inserted a hairbrush. With the mirror tipped, I could see quite all of me, only I didn't see quite all. I didn't see my freckles, or my jaw, or my very thin legs. I saw a glory of pink and white, and I grinned from sheer rapture. The spare room had no heat. There was a register, but unless we had company the register was closed. My mother found me one day kneeling by the bed, shivering, but in ecstatic contemplation of my dress, which I dare not to try on a second time. She gave me ginger tea. I gulped it down meekly. I felt even then that as a punishment ginger tea is exquisitely relevant it chastens the soul but at the same time it warms the stomach you have allowed to get cold i had been very much afraid that before the night of the entertainment it was to be given the twenty-third of december something which surely happened to my dress or to me but the night arrived and both were in perfect state of preservation to expedite matters as the sunday school was to assemble at a quarter past seven my mother dressed me before supper just as that last button was fastened we heard footsteps on the front porch there martha go show your father i ran down into the hall and took up my position in the centre of it but when i heard the key turn in the latch of the inside door i wanted to run away and hide i had never felt so beautiful my father stopped short when he saw me by the lord he ejaculated why george my mother was on the stairs well by the great guns then you're a a vision marty i could only grin here's some more pinkness for you to wear he said producing a long tissue paper package that he had been holding behind his back he chuckled as he unwrapped it twelve marty twelve solid pink carnations what do you say to em show your mother i said nothing i only jiggled on my toes george dear what made you-a little child like that can't wear flowers and they're seventy-five cents a dozen all the chuckle went out of my father's eyes as he looked at me then at the carnations, then at my mother, just like a little boy who finds that after all he's done the wrong thing. I wanted to run and take his hand, but while I stood wanting and not daring, my mother had crossed the hall and was putting her arms around his neck. They're beautiful, George, dear. She can wear three or four of them, anyway. They'll make her so happy, and the rest we'll put in her room. Her room is pink, too. So it is. He kissed my mother and then me. Say your piece, Marty, quick, before we have supper.' I learned my piece so thoroughly that the order was like turning on a spigot. Four verses, four lines in each, gushed forth. My father clapped. Now for something to eat, he said. Immediately after supper my mother and I set out, leaving my father to shave and come later. It was a cold night with a great many bright stars. At the corner we met Luella and her mother. Luella's mother was carrying over her arm Luella's spring coat, her everyday one, a dark blue reefer martha ought to have hers along too said my aunt emma if the church should be chilly they'll catch their death sitting in thin dresses my mother thought it was probable we would so i was sent back to hunt for my little reefer it was like luella's dark blue with tarnished gilt anchors in the corners of the sailor collar and like hers it was second best and outgrown luella and i parted with our mothers at the door of the sunday-school room don't forget to take your reefers when you march in admonished my aunt emma "'Must we carry them while we march?' I almost wailed. "'My mother came to the rescue. "'Hold them down between you and the little girl you march with. "'Then no one will see.' "'Yes, am I was much relieved. "'The Sunday school was a hubbub of noise and pink and blue hair ribbons. "'In among the ribbons, and responsible for some of the noise, "'were close-cropped heads and white collars and very new ties. "'But you didn't notice them much. "'There were so many pink and blue ribbons.' after a while the room quieted down and we formed in line miss miriam who even that night wore a black dress and her little gold cross distributed among us the eight silk banners which when we weren't marching always hung on the walls of the sunday-school rooms there were subdued whispers and last prinkings then the piano which had been moved into the church gave the signal and we marched in we marched with our banners and our pink and blue hair ribbons up and down the aisles so that all the mothers and fathers and friends of the school could see us whenever we recognized our own special mother or father we beamed the marching finally brought us to the pews assigned to our respective classes luella's class and mine were to sit together that night i turned round almost every little girl after she was seated had sufficiently smoothed out skirts and sash turned around and saw my mother and aunt who were only two pews behind us i grinned delightedly at them and they both nodded back then i told luella after that i settled down the church was decorated with ropes of green and holly wreaths at either side of the platform was a christmas tree with bits of cotton batting scattered over it to represent snow i had heard that there were to be two christmas trees and i looked forward to a dazzling glitter of coloured balls and tinsel and candles maybe the cotton batting was a little disappointing It made you feel that it was not a real Christmas tree, but just a church Christmas tree. Church things were seldom real. The boys' brigade of our church carried interesting-looking cartridge-boxes that made them look like real soldiers, but when they drilled you found out the cartridge-boxes were only make-believe. They held Bibles. Still the cotton batting did make you think of snow. After what seemed like a very long wait, the entertainment began. The minister, of course, opened it with a prayer then we all sang a carol as we were sitting down i felt some one poke my shoulder your mother says you must put on your jacket she says you'll take cold whispered the little girl behind me i had not felt cold but the command passed along over two church pews had the force of a thus saith the lord while i was slipping the jacket carefully over my ruffles some one poked luella and whispered to her luella looked at me and then put on her jacket the superintendent was making a speech to the fathers and mothers and friends of the school when he finished we rose to sing another carol and as we rose quite automatically luella and i slipped off our jackets i was very excited after the carol there would be a piece by one of the big girls then the infant class would do something then i was to speak i wondered if people would see the pink of my slips showing through my dress as i spoke my piece i bent my head to get a whiff of carnation we were just seated when there came another poke and another whisper your mother says to keep on your jacket i looked back at my mother she smiled and nodded and aunt emma pointed to luella we put on our jackets again this time i buttoned it tight so did luella i felt the carnations remonstrate but when one is very excited one is very obedient one obeys more than the letter of the law The big girl was speaking her piece. I didn't hear the words. The words of my own piece were saying themselves through my head, but I was aware that she stopped suddenly, and she looked as though she were trying to remember that someone prompted her that she went on. Suppose I should forget that way, before my father and my mother and the friends of the school and Miss Miriam. It was a dreadful thought. I commenced again, with my eyes shut. Some children think that Christmas Day should come two times a year i went through my verses five times while the infant class individually and collectively were holding up gilt cardboard bells and singing about them i was beginning the sixth time some children think when the superintendent read out the next number on the programme will be a recitation by martha smith i had been expecting this announcement for four weeks but now that it came it gave me a queer feeling in my heart and stomach half fear half joy conscious only that i was actually taking part i rose from my seat and made my way over the little girls in the pew who had scrunched up themselves and their dresses into a small space so that i might pass as i started down the aisle i thought i heard my name frantically called behind me but not dreaming that any would wish to have speech with a person about to speak a piece i kept on down way way down to the platform walking in a dim hot maze which smelled insistently of carnations But the poor carnations warned in vain. I ascended the platform steps, with my reefer still buttoned tight over my chest. The reefer, as I have said, was dark blue, adorned with tarnished anchors, and outgrown. Being outgrown, it showed several inches of my thin little wrists. Being a reefer and tightly buttoned, it showed of my pink-and-white glory a little more than the hem. Still in that dim-hot maze, I made my bow and gave the title of my piece, Christmas twice a year and recited it from beginning to end and heard them clap all the teachers and scholars and fathers and mothers and friends of the school then quite dizzied with happiness i hurried down off the platform and up the aisle people smiled as i passed them and i smiled back for once quite unconscious of my jaw as i neared my seat i prepared to smile upon my mother but for a moment she didn't see me aunt emma was saying something to her something i didn't hear something that made two red spots flame in my mother's face isn't it just like martha to be a little fool she's always doing things like that aunt emma was one of those people who assume that you always do the particular foolish thing you have just finished doing the red spots died out when my mother saw me she smiled as though she were very proud and i was proud too but before i could settle down to enjoy my satisfaction luella's name had been called and luella was starting down the aisle Luella's golden curls bobbed as she walked. They bobbed over her blue reefer jacket, which was buttoned snugly over her plump body. There was a suppressed exclamation from someone behind me, but Luella kept on. Luella's jacket was not short in the sleeves, but it was very, very tight. Only the hem of her blue and white glory peeped from beneath it, and a little piece of ruffle she had not quite tucked in peeped out from above it. A queer sound made me look around at my mother and aunt. Their heads were bowed upon the pew in front, their shoulders shaking. When I turned around again they were sitting up, wiping their eyes as if they had been crying. I could not understand then, nor did I understand late that night when my father's laugh woke me up. "'Poor Emma!' he chuckled. "'What did she say?' My mother answered, her voice curiously smothered. "'Why, you see, she couldn't very well say anything after what she had just said before. "'Poor Emma! I suppose not!' My father's laugh broke out again, "'Shh, shh George, you'll wake Martha!' End of Story Biographical and Interpretive Notes by Charles Swain Thomas Elizabeth Ashe is the pen-name of Georgiana Pentlarge, a young and promising story-writer living in Boston. A reefer properly belongs in the category useful. Even in its second or third season of usefulness, it retains certain warm and comforting qualities how its sphere of endeavour may be extended to include a divine mission of poetic justice miss ash unfolds in a delightfully humorous experience of two little girls one very pretty and habitually urbane the other very homely and rather crude with reefers smothering all glories of persian lawn and fine silk slips we have two little girls arrived at the height of ecstatic self-forgetfulness in the excitement of giving a recitation for the christmas entertainment complete satisfaction, too, is the reader's. What a delightful chuckle he gives over Aunt Emma's chagrin at discovering that, in the manner of little girls, golden hair and pink cheeks or freckles and a jaw make very little difference. Yet his chuckle, after all, is only an echo from the adult world, a world suggested to Martha by the vague whisperings of father and mother after she has gone to bed. Far more real is the world Miss Ash has created where Miss Miriam's black dress and gold cross present a charming but insoluble mystery, where one is forced, however, regretfully, to reconcile cotton-batting with a Sunday-school Christmas tree, and where it is so nice to be in things. Suggested points for study and comment. Number one. Comment on the author's use of detail. Does it create a real atmosphere? Number two. Is the author successful in her interpretation of the mind of a small girl? Is the author's own personality ever intruded? How is she able to secure a larger view of the events that take place? 3. Is the climax made more or less effective by the children's unconsciousness of their act? Would you have preferred a more startling denouement? 4. Why is Luella sketched so lightly? Is the contrast only between the two little girls? 5. How does Miss Miriam contribute to the interest in the story? 6. Comment on the skillful ending of the story. End of Blue Reefers